This podcast is a Tofop production. Head to tofop.com for more. The following episode of Tofop is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. Tofop advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching. And he's back, ladies and gentlemen. The Dark Knight Rises. He's back. Leg brace is on. He's got a long beard. He's wearing a dressing gown. We've lured him out of retirement. I, I feel like I am very much like Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight Rises in that the last three months have genuinely been my version of being in the dressing gown and not leaving my room. Like, it's not because I am in some self-imposed isolation. I'm in a COVID isolation. I'm in a life isolation. And I do feel like I need, maybe you're Anne Hathaway breaking into my bedroom gonna... today to kind of- So you're like... an arrow at me. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking like who I would be. I thought I'd be more like Commissioner Gordon. Like we used to be partners. I'm fighting the good fight on my own. I'm not sure if you're even coming back. And then podcast Mike is like Robin. He's the idealistic young cop who recognizes in you that you're at a podcast, man. I remember when you visited my podcast orphanage. I was like that guy. He pretends to be a comedian, but deep down I see he's a podcaster. (laughs) I could just tell. I could just tell. A podcaster recognizes another podcaster. That's how I knew who the world's greatest detective was when no one else could work it out I just <laughs> I just recognized it um yeah it's I guess you are Commissioner Gordon you for the last three months you've been holding shit down right like you know yep. I've been away I've disappeared I've gone away yep. and you have been the hero that the city needs in that time right well no I think I've been holding shit together <laughs> putting like the tofop signal in the sky And I've been having to go, and this is no offense to any of the wonderful guests I've had on, but it's like, you know, Batman's been away. So I've had to go to the second string superheroes. It's like, what's Kite Man doing? Can Kite Man come do the show? What's Pangolin Man doing? Let's get Pangolin Man in the studio. But it's good to have you back, man. It's, I really actually, I didn't realize till, you know, it'd been so long that I need these conversations because there's no one else who will entertain the kind of nonsense that enters my brain. I've tried numerous times over the break to sort of engage Gemma and she always is just like, stop, that's a Tovop conversation. So what I've done, Will, is I've actually got uh, my notes open on my phone and here are some things I've jotted down okay, brilliant. over the last few months, just ideas that have occurred to me. So I'm going to let you pick one to discuss. So, um, okay. Uh, First one is vampire babies. Mm-hmm. No need to comment. Just digest. Vampire babies. Okay. Vampire babies. Second one is I'm pretty trustworthy. <laughs> okay. All right. I like this. I'm into it so far. I'm pretty trustworthy vampire babies. Um, the next one is the career of Drew Carey. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Okay. So vampire babies. I'm pretty trustworthy. The career of Drew Carey. Not Wayne Carey, yeah. uh, no. Drew Carey. 
of the Drew, Drew Carey. Carey show, the eponymous G- Drew Carey show, the, yeah, the pride uh, of Cleveland. That, what, what, that's right. That's right. Multi, multi-millionaire, like one of the wealthiest comedians going around, I found from my research. And then the last thing I've jotted down is, am I a friend to spiders or a scourge of insects? Okay, here's what I'm going to say. Spiders and insects, I feel like where we live, spiders and insects are going to be a topic that comes up again. We don't need to go with spiders and insects today. There will be an opportunity tomorrow, next week, and for the next however many years until the planet explodes for us to talk about all the spiders and insects there are in our area. So let's rule that out. I am fascinated by vampire babies because I... (laughs) The thing that it immediately reminds me of is what we do in the shadows where Laszlo uh, is in quite big trouble because he once turned a baby into a vampire. And it's one of my favourite running jokes in the show (laughs) is this vampire baby who is forever both a baby and a vampire. Um, You're very trustworthy. Yeah. I, I don't know. For me, Drew Carey appeals. I've got to be honest with you. I feel like the career of Drew Carey, after such a long time off, the fact that we might come back and talk about something that is not topical in any way, like the career of Drew Carey, feels very on brand for Tofop. Fantastic. Okay, great. Because I don't know what triggered it, but I just had one of those moments where I'm like, where's Drew Carey these days? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember at one stage he seemed to be everywhere. What was the improv show he had? The uh, Whose uh, line um, is it anyway? Whose line is it anyway? That's right. But it was the Drew Carey show. Like in the late 90s, I'm not sure if it was just like a uni student thing but everyone I know who uh, at uni loved the Drew Carey show like it was like people it was the it was the cooler sitcom at the time in an era of kind of like Seinfeld and Friends Drew Carey it was still mainstream but had like you know slightly sort of cooler factor and so I went on uh, to Wikipedia and discovered that like I all right let's get into it should we just do like some old school tovop and we'll just go through the Wikipedia entry all right so can you guess his middle name? Is his first name Drew? Like, is his first name actually Drew yes. or is that short for Andrew? It's listed here as Drew. Okay, so Drew Carey. Um, give me a yeah. clue then. Give me a Drew clue. Well, his middle his middle name is traditionally a female name. Okay. Like one of those ones. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say it's one of those ones like Jamie or Charlie that, you know, seems to sort of move between male and female. This one to me, is, I, I've only really heard it used as a female's first name. I mean, I've got to be honest with you, Drew traditionally to me is a female's first name as well. I always think of like Drew Barrymore or like somebody like that. Like when yeah. I think of the name is Drew. Is there any other famous Drews? Drew, Drew Barrymore, Drew Carey, Drew. <laughs> that's it, right? There's only two. I mean, the two Drews. There's Quick Draw McGraw, like, but that's a different <laughs> tense. So I don't think that counts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Quick Drew McGrew. <laughs> His cousin, his female cousin, his cousin, Quick Dream the Group. Okay, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good, traditionally a girl's name, mm-hmm. and um, Brittany. Okay, Drew I'll give you a Brittany clue Carey. That, no, I'll give you a clue that is uh, specifically tailored to your interests. Mm-hmm. So, um, it is the first name of a star of Community, the TV show Community, as well as being the surname of a mid to a late nineties to early two thousands, North Melbourne half forward who once took mark of the year. Um, oh my God. <laughs> so, do you want that clue again? Yeah. I want the Welcome, clue again. If anyone who's for anyone who's missed Tofop, we're back in case you can't tell. <laughs> I mean, I feel right, like so by the... giving two clues, you've made it harder than one of the individual clues. So give me them slowly one at a time. 
Okay, so it's the first name of one of the stars of the television yeah. show community, okay. as well as being the last name of a North Melbourne half forward who played in the late 90s to the early 2000s and once took Mark of the Year. Okay, so this... Um, okay, so um, it's got to be... Um, fuck. Who's on community? Start with who's on community. Well, I'm uh, Donald Glover. Yeah, but female. Uh, oh, yeah, I know, but I'm just talking about who's on community at the moment. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no. um, <laughs> which, which female guests are on community? Um, oh, I can't remember the names of any of the, the, the women around okay. community. Okay, her surname is also the name of a cheese. <laughs> oh, okay, so uh, Lucy Cheer. Um, <laughs> Brenda Colby. Kate Cheddar. Uh, yeah. Edna Singles. <laughs> um, well, go to North Melbourne. Can you mm. think of like who's a... I've got, I've got his page up as well. So, all right. He played... He played 228 games. Not, oh, no. It's actually the late 80s to the late 90s. 87 to 99. And he played one season for the Sydney Swans. His initials were B.A., um, B.A. His father also played for uh, for North Melbourne. His name was Tom. Fucking <laughs> hell. I didn't really think it was going to be this hard. B.A. Uh, Baracus from the TV show The A-Team. Was it Mr. T? That's right. Are we talking about Mr. Drew T? Terry's Drew Terry's name Mr. T is Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Allison Carey. Oh, okay. Brett Allison. That was his name, right? Brett Allison. Yeah, okay. And the star of Community is? Alison Bray. Alison Bray? Bray? Bray, Bray, type of cheese. Yeah. Oh, Bray, of course. That was the cheese clue, yes. Yeah, not a, not a donkey sound. <laughs> Do no. donkeys bray? They don't? I mean, I have not done this for a, for a while, Charlie. It's been three months. Like, it was a bit hard <laughs> okay. for me to work all that out. It was too much information yeah. coming to me at once. You talk about the fact that you've talked to Gemma about topics and she's like, that's a podcast topic. No one has made me guess anything in the last three months by a series of elaborate <laughs> and interrelated clues. So my brain just wasn't in the right mode for it. Um, okay. Drew Allison Carey, DAC. Uh, what year was he born, Will? Um, I'll give you a clue. Uh, uh, I'm going to say 1964. It's in the 50s. Oh, really? Okay. 1959. Mm. 1958. Uh, he was in the US Marine Corps. Did you know that before he got into comedy? No, I did not know that. I mean, it does explain the haircut. That is very much the it haircut does of a man who was in the Marine Corps. Like, <laughs> it never looked like a comedian's haircut. It always looked like like a military haircut, to be honest. So that does clear and, up a lot of things. And they have, like, a headshot. In fact, I can actually... This is the great thing about this new technology we're using, Will. So for people listening, we've, we've moved to a, a new platform. Is I can actually share my screen with you so you can see what I'm looking at. Okay. So... Uh, Okay, I'm just going to share my screen with you so you can see the photo I'm looking at. Is that working? No, it's not working. Forget it. Let's pretend I, I was just able to share my screen. But there is a photo of him, his headshot, or not a mugshot, what do you call it? Like, I guess it's a headshot in the army yeah. when you get, like, your ID? Well, I guess it's from, not an army uh, headshot, probably. They probably don't call it a headshot because it'd be other things in the army that you refer to as headshots and it'd be really confusing if you got those two like you know mixed up like you're just like you know drew you're coming in tomorrow for a headshot and someone literally shoots you in the head because they've just gone we should call this something else we are around military and guns all the time so he uh 
was super handsome in the 70s. Like when he was in his 20s, like it's just like he looks like a movie star. Like he kind of has a, and this is probably like a bad association, but he's got a bit of that Arnie Hammer kind of waspish, square-jawed, blonde, even like a Hensworth kind of vibe. Like that's what he's, he's rocking in this photo. Well, that's so actually, it's, like, it's funny you say Arnie Hammer because that's how he put on all that weight, eating other people. <laughs> Are we allowed to joke about that? I thought you weren't meant to joke about Arnie Hammer eating people or wanting to eat people or, or whatever that was. I don't know. why. What's the reasoning behind us not being able to joke about Arnie Hammer wanting to eat people? Like, as long as we're not on Arnie Hammer's side, as long as we're not like, isn't, isn't you know who I like more now? Arnie Hammer, because like he's really bad to women and wants to eat people. But I think we can joke about the fact that Army Hammer wants to eat people. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so terrified of um, saying the wrong thing these days. Or, who are we offending? Are we getting, like, a, who are we offending? Cannibals. <laughs> Reformed cannibals. <laughs> well, no, I think, you know what, I, like, A, I'm fine to offend cannibals. You still got to be able to offend some people, and I am, I'm going to draw the line at cannibals. I'm not going to, that's not okay. just a lifestyle choice. Right? You can't just say, yeah. no, no, like, I'm a sovereign citizen and I'm also a cannibal now. Like, I like to eat people. That's how people got here in the first place. <laughs> we ate other people and I want to respect the original way of living. It's like a paleo thing. I'm going back to eating other people. This is my new diet. Oh, by the way, just for the record, your screen share yeah. just popped up on the screen. The technology does I work. Saw. It just took a little bit of time. And that's the Drew Carey on TV is not that person. <laughs> That like, is. That's a that's a movie star. That's an extra from like Platoon, but like a handsome like movie star soldier, right? Absolutely. He is super handsome and obviously <laughs> updating his Wikipedia page every day to make sure they keep that photo of him there instead of the rest of them. You know, it's funny, I was thinking about this morning. Um when Wikipedia, you know, we sort of started becoming aware of Wikipedia, well, at least for me in the early 2000s. And do you remember it was fun for your mates to all like hack your mm. Wikipedia page? And I remember, I still don't know who's responsible for this, but the, the first acting role I ever had on, um, uh, on TV was a, a tiny role in On the Beach where my, I was a, a, a sailor who went AWOL. And my character's name was Seaman Byers. <laughs> and someone got onto my... Wikipedia and just change the spelling semen buyer to someone who purchases semen. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess there are people who purchase semen. There are people who sell semen. Yeah. Do, do yeah, you like think breeders that, and stuff, right? Right. Okay. So breeders, like, you know, um, I grew up on a dairy farm. There's artificial insemination. So obviously you don't need to get a bull around like they traditionally did. You can actually just like, they have semen sellers, right? So they've got to have semen buyers. Is there, like yeah. you might do if you're buying a house or like, you know, something like that. Do you think there's specialist semen brokers, like an in-between person who if you like want to buy some semen, but you don't want to get a big semen, <laughs> you know, like you want an intermediary to kind of go and handle it. Do you think there are specialist semen brokers? Yeah. I reckon there's like a trade expo where all the kind of breeding programs bring like samples of their best right. semen. And you just get the experts walking down the aisle. Just like, like a, a sommelier. And they're just like... <laughs> just yeah. like mm. smelling, yeah. tasting, spitting <laughs> out yeah. into the bucket. <laughs> That's a stallion. <laughs> you know what they say about semen brokers? They always spit, never swallow. That is the one rule of the job. I was going to say, it's really rude. I mean, that is expensive semen. You better swallow that. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the rule. You swish it around in your mouth. You get the mouth feel. You assess it. 
<laughs> you make some notes in your notebook. You put out your reviews, obviously, at the Spermies every year. Um, all right. So Drew was born in 1958, youngest of three. Uh, he was raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Pride of yes. Ohio, as you said. Pride, Pride of, of Ohio. In fact, as I've spent a lot of time in Cleveland, Ohio. I used to play the comedy club mm. Polarities there very regularly when I was living in the US. They were one of the clubs that was most supportive of me. Uh, famously the club that Jerry Seinfeld was playing the night he got the facts to uh, be told that he, that Seinfeld had been commissioned as a TV show. Uh, that club's been there for like 50 years. It's so much history. And Drew Carey, of course, so you can imagine when you go to Cleveland, that's, that's like me walking into the basketball stadium in Cleveland and going, oh yeah, LeBron James, this is where he grew up and he like played basketball. Drew Carey was that bigger name in Cleveland because he literally embraced Cleveland, loved Cleveland, and the Drew Carey show kind of put Cleveland, made it a bit hip, I'm made there. it a bit cool. Yeah. And so where was Dave Letterman from? He was the pride of what? He, he was... It's like well, he um, Ohio, the Midwest he? somewhere, right? Like he's, isn't he like... Um, yeah. Mike, yeah. can you look up where uh, Dave Letterman was from? That's another feature of this new platform we're using is uh, Mike... Uh, we can hear him and sometimes see him when he turns his camera on. We've told him he's allowed to include himself in the podcast by turning his camera on and signaling us, waving, <laughs> so we know to stop talking. Uh, but we don't have to wait for, wait for him to type anymore. All right. So, Mike, have you got an answer for us on, on Dave Letterman? Oh, yes, of course. Indianapolis. That's yes. right. Um, okay. So when Drew was eight years old, his father died of a heart attack. He played the, cor the, the cornet and the trumpet in a marching band. And he graduated high school in 1975. What's a cornet? Is that like a little little, little trumpet? That's the... Yeah, but made out of the ice cream, a cornetto. So basically <laughs> what they do is you eat the ice cream off the top and then you play the remainder of the cone. That's a cornet. Okay, so he went to Kentucky State, was expelled twice due to poor academic performances. Yeah, well, he only uh, went to Kentucky State because we thought it was Kentucky Fried Chicken State. And so... <laughs> no, nah, this is not... This is like hunky, Drew Gary. This is six-pack, Drew Gary. Although, actually... You might be right, because this is pre-Marine. So uh -huh. maybe he got shipped off, you know, to, to bloody straighten himself up, you know, go short back inside. So 22 years old, enrolls, uh, in, enlists in the Army, and he served for six years as a field radio operator for the 25th Marine Regiment. Oh, this is That's some, something that I reckon you and I could do. This is some good morning Vietnam shit. This is what's going on here. Yeah, totally. Like, he, he's on the field radio, but he's actually like constantly giving instructions, but also making the boys laugh, realizes that he has a knack for comedy. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take this banter mainstream. So I reckon that's if you and I, like let's say conscription mm -hmm. was a thing and, and we were young enough to be, con oh, yeah. con be cons conscripted. I reckon that's that's what you and I should angle for. It's like, hey, we'll be the radio guys, but we just need an hour a week where we can just like stay on the comms and just fucking talk about stuff we find on Wikipedia. Is that cool? <laughs> it's like, we will court-martial you right now before you even get into the field. No, we will work for free, but we just have to get like nowhere near the guns and where all the war bit is. We will give all the messages out to people during the day. And just from midnight to 6 a.m. when everybody's asleep, we're just allowed to do our imaginary radio show. That is all we ask. <laughs> all right. So his stand-up career. It starts in 85, mm -hmm. um, following suggestions by his mate David Lawrence, who was a disc jockey who'd been paying Drew to write jokes for him. The following year, he won an open mic contest and became an MC at the Cleveland Comedy Club. Is that the one you're talking about? No. Well, unless it was called something else back then, no. Okay. So he starts performing all over Cleveland and LA, and then he comes to uh, national attention competing on Star Search. So the American Red Faces. <laughs> 
I mean, there. That's amazing, isn't it? That like he's yeah being able to go on one of those style shows, like an an America's Got Talent style show, and be so good at stand up. Because I always associate those shows with being more. I mean, stunty. Well, you know what the other thing They're is. Kind of like You're very gimmicky. aware of how unfancy stand-up is when you see it in that environment. Like, if you go to a theatre yeah. to see a stand-up, the fact that it's just a person on stage doing a show, you, you don't, you're not comparing it to anything else. So you go, oh, yeah, this looks like a show. This is a thing that I recognise. But anytime there's, like, an acrobat and a musical act and, like, a group performing together and then just a dude comes out and goes, here's my act. I'm going to talk. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. well enough that it's better than this what? person who can put their ankles around their ears. <laughs> What was the Australian? I don't know if we had Star Search or if it was like it was like Potluck, the one that Ernie yeah. Sigley hosted. Yeah, I think it was, it was called it? Potluck, so, maybe. Right, and I do remember very distinctly a guy coming out and doing stand up, and um, it was the late eighties, and he had that classic kind of eighties comedian look where he just needed a brick wall behind him, and he was American and. The narrative I've created in my head is that this guy arrived in Australia and was like, look at all these fucking rubes. Like, in his mind, he's like, I'm the equivalent of Superman here. Like, they don't know what entertainment is. I'm just going to be get on, get on TV and be American, and that's going to be my superpower, and these Aussies are going to laugh. And it was the most excruciating set. Like, it was so bad that even 30 years later, 30-plus years later, I can remember it. And his whole kind of the through line, his callback <laughs> joke was about the fact that you know, when he came to Australia, his wife made him buy a Honda, you know, and it's like, it's like, it's a shitty little car. Huh, nah, nah. And then, um, you know, he talked about like, uh, you know, I'm going to go rob a bank when they ask, yeah, have you got a weapon? I'm going to say, yeah, why don't I take you for a drive in my Honda? And like, just like dead <laughs> silence. And then when it came time to score, like Bernard King, oh boy, like he was just sitting there just like rubbing his hands together going, I get to eviscerate, get to eviscerate this ponytailed American. You know what I love about that? At one stage, I would have thought being American was just enough because in the Australian entertainment industry, it seems until recently in our history, and in fact still to a certain extent on those reality shows that you talk about, we can't just have an Australian judging panel. You've got to import somebody yeah. like internationally, regardless of the fact that that person might not even be as big in the industry internationally as someone local that you could get is big in the industry internationally. Mm. But there is still a cultural cringe factor. So the fact that, like, he was like, he must have been looking at Australian TV, this dude going, well, being American yeah. is enough of a skill. I don't need to write any jokes. Yeah. I'm an American. He's... Yeah, it's like I watched their television awards show. The butler from the nanny was like guest of honor. Guest of <laughs> I mean, honor. Fucking hell. <laughs> Niles from the nanny was guest Not of honor. Not even the third <laughs> build star on that show. Like maybe fourth or fifth. But the kids probably get higher build than him. Yeah, guest of honor. I mean, like the most important person at their awards night for their industry was Niles from the nanny. Surely being American isn't. I mean, it was clearly enough to get him on the show. Like, obviously, yeah, he's sitting in an audition tape and someone went, he's American, whack him on. I mean, this is something I don't want to get into too much because uh, on this week's Faux Fop, uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, James mm. Clement is my guest. And we talk about this insane clip I found uh, from Hey Hey It's Saturday in 1987. And it's Johnny Depp, guest star, fresh off the hottest show on TV, 21 Jump Street, coming to Australia to promote the show. And they sit him on the Red, red Faces judging panel. And it is, it's like... It's, if you had to sort of sum up Hey Hey It's Saturday into a 10-minute clip, it's everything. 
Like it's everything. It's the weird kind of like, you know, uh, Daryl Summers just hamming it up terribly. Johnny Depp does this scene, like this little pre-filmed sketch with Ozzy Ostrich. Like they do like this interrogation scene, nose to nose, like it's good cop, bad cop kind of thing. And James and I were talking about it and like, isn't it insane that this is the number one show in Australia and the biggest star arguably in the world, the biggest TV star in the world comes out. And he's like, well, what talk show am I going to do? Who am I going to speak to? And it's like, you see that pink ostrich over there? <laughs> You're going to improvise with him. And, like, and, we've, got, and, we've, got to, and we've got to tell you, Johnny, because Johnny's like, but what about the human? And you go, no, Johnny, you'll be happy with the ostrich. You, yeah, Definitely, yeah. guarantee. Oh. You, you've dodged a Mate. bullet. In fact, Johnny probably looked at him and said, I'm only talking to the ostrich. <laughs> there is a bit in it, which is such like it's classic Daryl Summers where, uh, you know, so Johnny comes out to the screams of the audience and uh, Daryl's doing his clumsy kind of like, how do you like Australia? And um, he's saying like, have you been enjoying yourself? Have you been going out to the discos and does like a little shimmy? And Johnny like goes to answer, but sort of like laughs because he sees Daryl do this little shimmy and he's like, do that again? And so Daryl is like, great, I've got my bit. And so Daryl starts doing the shimmy and then doesn't stop doing the fucking shimmy for like the next three minutes. Like he's just hamming it up to the, to the point where they cut back to Johnny Depp and you can just see the look on his face where he's just like, where am I? <laughs> what is this? Is there, like, is there even film in those cameras? Am I about to be executed? Have I been sent to some kind of weird cult-like island? You know what? It may have been the thing that broke Johnny Depp. If we do a timeline, we might look back and realize this is where it all went wrong for Johnny Depp. Maybe this is the point yeah. where he just like lost touch with all reality because we've now had experience of the international scene. Like we can see what American talk shows look like, you know, and none mm. of them have ever looked like Hey Hey at Saturday. There are so many elements going on in Hey Hey at Saturday that, that it was just this, like, can you imagine, like you're used to going on Letterman or you're used to going on like Johnny Carson or Conan or like, you know, one of these sort of shows. And yes, there might be some fun and some mayhem. You might even do a sketch or something like that. But mostly it's just going to be you interacting with the host or maybe one of the other guests who is on the panel. Then you come out to Australia you're already in a foreign environment. They wheel you into a studio. They've got a You're dude jet hosting the show who seems to be the least qualified person to host a television show you've ever met in your entire life. Then you meet his co-host, a pink ostrich. And then, as if that is not enough for your head, you sit down to judge red faces. I mean, we must have done our international reputation, put it back 20 years by making celebrities watch red faces, right? And so you're suddenly Easily. watching red faces while... Somebody's drawing pictures. Oh, this might be pre-Andrew Fife, but like somebody's drawing yeah. pictures on the screen. Somebody's putting subtitles on the screen. There is voices coming out all over the place. Somebody's talking to an angel. There's like a little head on a stick that's popping up under the desk, like Mr. Depp, Mr. Depp. Like, can you yeah. imagine how overwhelming that experience must be for somebody who just does not understand that show and has never seen it before? And it's also like the standard of the acts, like... Mm -hmm. Like, it's not Star Search. <laughs> like, the guys who come out to compete. The last sketch is two kids from an improv group, like Melbourne University or something like that, and they've got this sketch that they've written, which is just the two of them. I guess the joke is um, it's a nightclub. They're doing an ad for a nightclub where it's for people who are into astrology, so it's all like, are you a Leo? Then come to the bar and blah, blah, blah. But it's not funny. It's generally, it's like, again, it's excruciating watching these two young, like, you know, performers or, or probably law students, you know, but doing, a, <laughs> doing, an, doing some kind of theatre on the side. But it's just like, it is, it is mind boggling. Every time I try and explain Hey Hate Saturday to Gemma, 
or Daryl Summers. I, 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 I just I have to pause and go, was this really the biggest show we had for like 20 years? Because it was, right? It was huge. I mean, it was so huge that they keep trying to bring it back. That's how huge it was, like despite the fact that it's never worked when they've tried to bring it back. And some people would argue it went on a little bit too long at the end. There was mm. so much love for it when it was at the peak of what it was that there is still an appetite. They did that, you know, best bits of Hey, Hey, It's Saturday and it rated its ass off. Yeah. Back to Drew Carey. So he uh, does Star Search, wins that. Then he appears on uh, Johnny Carson. His performance mm. impressed Carson so much they invited him to join him on the couch. Has there been a showbiz trope as kind of um, powerful as the Johnny Carson couch? Like the idea that if you do a good set, you come sit and you've been anointed. Is there an equivalent in any other field of entertainment? I don't. I mean, you know, there was Harvey Weinstein's couch, but that's probably something we shouldn't speak about. <laughs> if we're drawing yeah. lines, I mean, I'm happy to go after the cannibals, but I'm going to draw the line at that sort of joke. <laughs> but um, it, it, definitely in comedy, you know, in American comedy, it was so much part of that folklore, the people who did Carson the first time. And for people who don't know the story behind it, if Johnny liked you, which was the biggest thing in American show business in comedy, he would, after your set, invite you over to the desk to have a little chat or to sit down with him. I was listening to somebody tell the story of uh, Roseanne the other day when Roseanne basically got mm. plucked out of obscurity to go and do uh, Johnny Carson. And Roseanne, this spot kind of made her a star. Like she went out and absolutely nailed it. But apparently, literally did the set, put her head down and just fucked off back off stage because she did not <laughs> want to face that moment of kind of looking over and knowing whether she was going to get invited over. Chances are, based on what she'd done, she was definitely getting invited over, but she wasn't even, she was like, nah, like head down, fucked off. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would have done as well. Yeah. One of the most brutal versions of those I've seen was um, Letterman, I can't remember who the comedian was, but, you know, sometimes you'll see a Letterman interview where he clearly does not like the guest or he's had a shitty day and he's just given nothing. I've seen him, it's so sad, but there's a clip of him and Lou Diamond Phillips where Lou Diamond Phillips is everything you want your talk show guest to be. He's funny, he's self-deprecating, he's doing impressions, but Letterman's just having none of it. Just fucking undercutting him, stonewalling him, just wants this interview to be done. I don't know, probably like some hot actress was bumped for Lou Diamond Phillips and he was having none of it. But the worst one I've seen was a comedian do his two minutes or whatever it is. And Dave just walks onto stage, shakes his hand and says, thank you, you're very brave. <laughs> That's why you run off stage. Speaking of brave, how did your shows go uh, the last two nights? It's your, fir your first time on stage. Yeah, so first time on stage since June. And because um, I'm about to go to Adelaide, by the time people hear this, I'll be arriving in Adelaide. So please come and see my show at the Adelaide Fringe. It is not a show yet. It will be a show at some stage. All the trial shows that I was going to do to put together a show all got cancelled. So um, Adelaide is now when I'm going to discover what that show is. But I did a couple of improv shows on the weekend at the Brunswick Picture House, which were really great fun. I was talking to this audience member uh, who went came and saw me 20 years ago. And he goes, this is my first time back after 20 years. And I'm like, okay, that's I'm interested in this. Like, was it so bad when you saw me 20 years ago that you haven't come back for 20 years? And he goes, no, it was good. And now I'm more fascinated. Like 20 years ago, he came and saw me like when I wouldn't have been that good and enjoyed the show and then went, that'll do, pig. 
That'll do. It was like the, that's a great compliment. It was that good. It was like 20 years worth of life. Like, I like to imagine. I know you've done like other stuff since then, him. but I just can't. I'm sorry. It's delicious, but I can't fit any more comedy in. Yeah. Like, imagine if it was like Seven Up or the movie Boyhood. You know, you filmed him over that 20 years. Like, he left the gig laughing, like hysterically. Yeah. And then you just sort of like do a montage over the years. And just like the laugh is just gradually decreasing till it gets down to just a chuckle. And then he's like, all right, I guess I'm ready for a, another <laughs> dose of Will Anderson hilarity. <laughs> that, was, that was a good 20 years worth. How was it, though, being on stage after six months? Well, considering, I mean, it's not just the fact that you've had this big layoff, but, you know, considering COVID and everything, was it weird? Yeah, it was weird. Um, it was weird to even do it. Like, you know, the first night there was a real sense in the room of like, are we doing the right thing? And, you know, certainly, you know, the idea that everyone's going to wear their masks or, um, you know, that everyone's going to check in or any of those sort of things has gone out of the window a bit. So we're still in this weird yeah. period where, you know, those who are vulnerable to the disease the, that we need to protect are still vulnerable, even though, you know, this version, we might be more out and about in public, there might be less restrictions. And But if, you know, if somebody is susceptible to, you know, COVID, they're not any less chance of being severely affected by it at the moment. So it is that real conundrum where you're just like, I know that people have to go out to essential things, but am I an essential thing? That was the biggest question I had to ask yeah. myself was like, I did not feel like I was essential mid-January. I did not feel like I could do a show good enough that it was worth coming out and risking your life to see. I would hate to lure you out on that false promise that you're like, you're on your deathbed in the ICU going, it was fucking worth it. It was fucking worth it. <laughs> if, if I live another 20 years, I'll be back. Uh, all right. Drew Carey, the Drew Carey show. So um, he, started, he, he tried a couple of things in TV, a couple of sitcoms, and then he gets the Drew Carey show. It revolves around fictionalized variety of Carey as he took on the stresses of life with his group of childhood friends, premiered in 1995. In his autobiography, Carey revealed his frustration with having to deal with senses and being able to employ the off-color humor in his stand-up routines. That was what I was going to ask. Are you familiar with Drew Carey's stand-up? Have you seen Drew Carey's stand-up? I have no idea what it would be like. I've seen Drew Carey do stand-up, like little spots of stand-up, but I've never like watched a, a Drew Carey special or anything like that. From the bits I saw, I was always like, oh, yeah. I get this. This is like, to me, it always had a bit of like a, a cleverer Tim Allen shtick. Like, you know, he was a, clearly a smarter, yeah. funnier guy, but there was like, a, he had a personality and a trait and a characteristic and that was his stand-up. I imagine it would be like, like white collar schlub, not sort of blue collar schlub, but works in an office schlub, has glasses, probably a bit more literate. That's what, that's my complete reading of the situation based on nothing else but his sitcom. Well, you got the impression that the Drew Carey show was based on his act. That was the thing his, that Americans would do at the time, right? This is the age of yeah, your Seinfeld or your Roseanne. home improvement where they yeah. would like Roseanne, where they go, here is this person's act. We are going to turn that act and their story into a version of a show. But wouldn't you prefer to have seen Tim Allen's like, you know, uh, mm. uh, selling version? coke and ending up in prison version? <laughs> yeah, just like like rolling on his fucking like mates and <laughs> like going to prison. That's what I want to see. That oh, 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 oh. in the prison shower. Oh, 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 oh. You know, like that's the version of home improvement we should have seen. The yeah, big house improvement. There, that's there's a neighbor been. in a neighboring cell who he only gets to see from the eyes up, you know, just poking <laughs> over the wall. Just keep all the tropes. You just get. Yeah, it's just getting beaten with like bars of soap in a pillowcase. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
So <laughs> initially, he was earned sixty thousand uh, when the show started. You know what he was earning per episode by the end? I'm going to say. I'll say. Oh, okay. So well, I'm going to say close to a mill though, like maybe eight hundred thousand an episode. Yeah, seven fifty, seven hundred fifty thousand. Um, it costs three million an episode to create. Well, mm. probably because you're paying your fucking star yeah. minister a million dollars. I was going to say, cost <laughs> two million, and then money. it costs you a million for the star of the show. <laughs> uh, so they did 233 episodes, um, and then he also started hosting Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm. And I don't remember. Did he get up occasionally with the improvisers, with like Ryan Styles and uh, and stuff? He he would, right? He'd occasionally yeah. get up there and flex his Improv chops? Yeah, although often, even in those moments, he wasn't doing a lot of necessarily improv improv. Like, he was playing games, but he was always sort of the setup person, the straight man. But that's one of the things I really like about Drew Carey. Like, from, like, observing his career externally, it feels like, to me, he's never been afraid to have smarter, funnier people on shows with him. And I think that yeah. is actually a great compliment. He's never had to be the funniest person in the show. In fact, I think that he realises that he's a good coordinator and if he surrounds himself with really funny other characters that is only going to benefit him you know it's just a little sidebar i, I saw a video of um uh, jerry seinfeld like an interview he was doing with uh who was it i think was it maybe howard stern or someone like that and they're talking about curb your enthusiasm and and how we're saying so you know like it's improvised but you know larry's got an idea and 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 um seinfeld's like yeah yeah he's like but He's gone, here's the thing, like when we did Seinfeld, he's gone, I don't want to hear what a fucking actor has to say. I don't want to hear what an actor thinks the line should be. Just say the line that we wrote. And that on top of the Larry Sanders, uh, the, um, uh, what's Larry Sanders' real name again? Uh, 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 you know, um, what's his name? Larry Sanders, what's his real name? Oh, for, for, for the actor from the Larry Sanders show. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. What's the, who's Larry Sanders, the, the comedian? What's his name? You know, bloody Larry Sanders. <laughs> Who you know, played Larry Sanders? Gary Shandling? Are, Mike, you, played, are you talking about Gary, Gary Shandling? Shandling? <laughs> yes. I, I got sorry, confused I because I thought you were talking about... Anyway, whatever. Like, go on, please. Uh, my, you were talking about Curb Your that... Enthusiasm and then you said Larry yeah. and I didn't realise that you had jumped to a completely different yeah, person sorry. in this conversation. Yeah. That was what was confusing. It was a very... It was a very confusing <laughs> conversation. The point I was trying to make is in two separate interviews, I've seen... Jerry Seinfeld just fucking hate actors. Like, just think they are the most worthless mm. commodity. They don't... On the uh, Gary Shannon thing, is like, they don't write anything. They just wear clothes other people design for them. They, you know, say things in a way that someone else tells them to say. And then this Howard Stern thing. is like, I don't give a fuck what an actor thinks. And I was like, I feel personally attacked. I'm like, there's lots of good improvisers out there. That's like how Adam McKay, you know, makes a movie. I mean, also, it's just completely wrong because... Like, even if they're not improvising the words, I get that idea that a comedian might know the lines in a comedy better than somebody improvising those lines. I get that, particularly in a show like Seinfeld. Yeah. But funnily enough, last night, Amy and I were watching, they did this big sort of compilation clip show, you know, before the final episode of Seinfeld. And it's not one of those things that ever when we're re-watching Seinfeld, we never stop down before the final episode and watch like the clip show of the 10 years of Seinfeld. But last night, just to have something sort of brain bleachy on in the background, we put on this clip show. You had to watch some bloopers and some highlights. And the thing that I said to Amy constantly was those, particularly those three core actors, like Michael Richards for all the, you know, other Michael Richards shit. Um, uh, what are you talking about? 
Yeah, Jason Alexander (laughs) and um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus are three of the greatest comedic actors that have ever been on screen. Like, what they give to these scenes, what they give to these lines, like, because when you see them in a compilation, you know, because they're just playing clips of, and often not even with the the words, you know, often you're just like, they had some music on and there'd just be a bunch of clips of them doing physical comedy. The acting and performance they brought to that show and then the fact that Jerry, this guy who's like, I don't rate actors, is being carried through because he can't act at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is a terrible actor. Like, who is he in a position? What he should be saying is, isn't it amazing that, like, my words and my jokes and my ideas, like, can be brought to life by these incredible actors? Because Seinfeld, the show, isn't Seinfeld, the show, if those other three are stand-up comedians who can perform the same amount as Jerry Seinfeld can. If the forecast members yeah. all had the performance skills of Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld would not be the show that it was. So that just says that it's not just the writing. It's also about the performance yeah. and the acting. Something happened to Jerry with an actor. Mm. Like it's either a multiple experiences where he's just like fucking douchebags or there's one particular actor that has like scarred him for life because it's like the to uh, reference your other podcast two guys one cup it's like nick revolt and reese stanley <laughs> like i've just noticed i've seen a few interviews with jerry and whenever there's a chance to pot an actor or deride the profession of acting he's always like yeah they're fucking useless they don't do anything it's like what happened to you jerry man what happened to you but he went after bobcat goldthwaite on comedians in cars getting coffee like jerry and, like, had a real unnecessary sledge of Bobcat. Like, Bobcat wasn't on the show. Like, he's got some problem yeah. with Bobcat. And he was with, like, Bridget Everett or somebody like that. And he started slagging off Bobcat and going, like, some people are funny and some people just, like, do funny voices because they're not really funny. And, like, it's this whole thing. Apparently, like, Bobcat and Jerry Seinfeld have had this enmity for, like, all these years. And I'm like, <laughs> even if you are having that, don't get in your billion dollar car from your airport hangar full of cars and then like drive around with someone else entirely and then just decide to slag off another comedian like i mean i don't think that like i don't think anyone thinks jerry seinfeld is the nicest person on the planet right jerry seinfeld's shtick is that he isn't nice like he is actually he he rebels in that yeah he's misanthropic and like all his stand-up is him complaining about everything despite the fact that he is the luckiest fucker in the entire planet, right? Like, he should never complain yeah. about anything. Like, he's a guy who tells, like, really simple, good jokes, and he's become, like, a billionaire out of that. Like, he's had the most successful, probably, sitcom in the history of fucking television. He's got this incredible career. He's, like, being able to indulge every fantasy he's ever indulged in his entire fucking life, and you're still taking time to slag off Bobcat Goldthwait? Like, go fuck yourself, Jerry. <laughs> Come on. What is the deal I- with billionaires then? not comedians? <laughs> I don't know where I saw it, but there's a clip online of an American comedian who did like five minutes at a New York stand-up oh. club as Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Have you seen this where he does like all my girlfriends so young jokes? <laughs> what is the deal with picking up my girlfriend from high school? Uh, okay, so Drew, after that show finishes and he goes on to his line is anyway, he does a bunch of things here. He, uh, he starts appearing in commercials. He does a deal with the Walt Disney World. He's way into video games. He uh, makes a cameo appearance in The Sims. He directs a music video for Weird Al Yankovic. He, he, he enters the Royal Rumble in 2001. Like, talk about a renaissance man. Like, 
I'm always fascinated, you know, we talk about The Rock, and it's like, why does The Rock work so hard? Why doesn't he do a TV show and these fucking talking tours? Like, he doesn't need to. He's got a perfectly good movie star career. He could just rest on his laurels. Just on Same that, this for, for a second, I will say that, like, because obviously oh, yeah. um, The Rock sent me a birthday message, which... Uh, reached out to you. Reached out to me, The, <laughs> the Rock, Rock reached out <laughs> for my birthday. And yeah. so what happened for people who did not see this online, um, Adam Spencer, dear friend of the show, The Spence, Adam Spencer, official fact checker for our podcast, Adam Spencer. Uh, congratulations to him, by the way. Got married uh, over uh, the January Congrats, period. Uh, so congratulations, Spence. And very, very happy. Been exchanging some messages with him about a whole bunch of stuff. And... Uh, um, so Spence uh, posted a photo for my birthday and it was uh, Spence and I and The Rock. And this was when The Rock came to Australia, before The Rock was like a big movie star. But we loved you The Rock. You knew him when, back when. Back when. When he was the most electrifying man <laughs> in sports and entertainment. You know, now he's the man who's literally opening the Super Bowl. Did you see this? Where The Rock came out yeah. and did his like spiel, basically did a wrestling spiel to open the Super Bowl. I mean, look at that guy's fucking life. And in between opening the Super Bowl and opening three movies a year and like working out 18 hours a day and eating cheap meals like six hours every day, he has time to get onto Twitter and send me a message because Spence posted this photo of The Rock and Spence and I and tagged in The Rock. And I thought, well, that's very funny. He goes, "I, I bet The Rock wishes you happy birthday too. And then The Rock wished me happy birthday. So, Charlie, I have a question for you. Do you think that that was actually The Rock? Or do you think that The Rock has somebody who just does his social media? Because I can't imagine that The Rock has time between his incredibly busy schedule to also be fooling around on Twitter, right? Yeah, I don't know. Because I the, the, the language he used, and if it is like a, an assistant, that person does all his... Twitter because or all his social media because I follow him on everything and there's a certain tone sense of humor like he joked about this is the face I make when I'm drunk he did the tequila emojis because he loves a bit of a plugging the terra whatever the terraman or whatever it is his tequila brand I reckon it was him I mean I think that we shouldn't be surprised that this guy who did you see that video he posted last week where it was like 2 a.m. and he just finished a workout and he said that he just flew back from probably the Super Bowl, had a bunch of meetings, but it, and it got to 11 o'clock at night or midnight and he realized he hadn't done his workout and he's just a guy who gets things done. So now he's you know just finished a two-hour workout. He's going to get four hours sleep before the day starts again. So a guy who's fucking doing that, like, yeah, I reckon he does. Like, oh, he's on the treadmill. He's just fucking going through his menchies. And because I was thinking about it, like... He must get, you know, he's got uh, podcast, Mike. Can you just tell me how many Twitter followers uh, uh, The Rock has? Because, like, you've you got to say it's got to be in the tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of fucking menchies, right, that he gets tagged in. You would imagine so, right? Something, something about your post. Like, maybe he's got it filtered to just photographs because I reckon he would have seen that photograph and that would have tickled his fancy. He probably hasn't seen it since it was taken. Why would he? Like, it was a very sort of, like, niche appearance and – I reckon that maybe that's what happened. So maybe it's just because my heart wants to believe it, that The Rock <laughs> is somehow connected to you, therefore he's connected to me. Because I did start thinking, fuck, man, we did not make enough of all the Tofop art we've made with The Rock. Like, we should have been tagging him in all that shit and getting a bit of a fucking retweet. Because he seems to – someone posted I saw on TikTok or, or, or Instagram, They because uh, you know he did that verse and that rap song? 
And so someone sent him a message where they had written out his verse in text form and they got a message back from The Rock, like an audio message where he finished the rhyme for them. And the guy's like, fuck, The Rock actually messaged me back. (laughs) Unless he has, like Saddam Hussein, a team of people who are like, you know, uh, uh, just know how he speaks and stuff and responding on his behalf. I think you did get a message from The Rock. I mean, maybe, or maybe it's what you just said that he's got a team of people, like he's got some sound-alikes, he's got like a voiceover guy. Because this is just a heaps more efficient way for him to do this, right? Is like he just goes, I'm the rock. I've got all this money. I want to be able to like reach out to people and do this sort of thing. So I've got someone on social media. I've found a guy who can do my voice. I've got like a look-alike if we need to like sort of film something that like, you know, if I can't <laughs> be there for. <laughs> Find a, like... That is the hardest. The person who had to find a physical lookalike for the. Oh, so I need a dude who's almost 50, six foot four, and filled with walnuts. Yeah. Giant walnuts. Now, that's what they've actually done. It's a giant bag of walnuts. They've got a costume designer to feel like a skin wheel in some walnuts. And they get the guy who can do the voice to stand behind the bag of walnuts. And if you just film it from the right angle, you think it's the rock. Do you think it diminishes it at all? If it is a PA? Oh, no, I don't care. Like, I mean, it's a, a good good on him. Like, I don't mind. I just was curious, like, whether you think The Rock is actually doing his own social media. Because, uh, yeah, Mike was going to tell us how many um, uh, followers he has on Twitter. How many does he have, Mike? 15.8 million followers. So million. that's got to be a lot of messages that are being tagged at The Rock, you'd imagine, right? Yeah, but, I mean, how does he fucking see... How, does any, how are they picking, even if it is a... A PA or a team of PAs wading through, say, just say he gets ten thousand a day. Like, how are they picking it, and why that one? Maybe you know they're I mean? responding to some kind of like, Make a Wish kid ver- or something. Verified, I'm verified. Like, so you might oh, have yes, like a filter better. for verified. You might have a filter for photos. Like, that is a good one. Perhaps you know you can't even respond to a photo. Yeah. Um, maybe a certain amount of followers. I think at some stage there yeah. was some big American star who like started following all these people in Australia. And clearly what had happened was they got some social media manager who just basically was like, I'm going to follow any account that has over this many followers. Like, I'm try, you know, like, yeah. right. So maybe there's that sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it is crazy to think that he would be like, that's, that's a part of his business directive is let's like have 100% fan interaction because what is the end game with this? Is it just to sell movie tickets or is there a bigger fucking plan? And I feel like there's a bigger thing at play here. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but when you see him talk about, you know, his ambition and his dreams and all that kind of stuff, like he's 100% earnest. Like this, there, it does not, it's, it's got that Tom Cruise kind of-esque quality, but just a bit less kind of creepy and, and weird where he genuinely feels like he is a force for good in the world and he wants to make people happy and his fans, he owes his fans everything. So maybe I'm just drinking the fucking Kool-Aid, but I'd like to think that it, like The Rock had at least some kind of directive given. So, okay, he didn't type the letters, but someone had to consult him to say, hey, Rock, is this cool? Can we run this up the chain? These uh, Australian comedians, do you reckon that's worth, uh, you know, they've got some significant followers, blue ticks. That's a yes to the Aussie market. When you become president of the world, we want to uh, have allies in the Southern Hemisphere. You know what I, w- I, I would think is that if you're going to make a joke about him being drunk, you probably need permission. Like if it's not him, you probably have to run it by him. Yes. Like there'd be some sort of material where you're just like, I can't just randomly make jokes about. Like if he wants to be president of America, right? Like which he possibly does and possibly will be. <laughs> so, and in fact... In which case, in which... 
In which case, we need to copyright that um, uh, rock presidential poster that Foz did with Steve Austin. Like that's gonna that's gonna sell like hotcakes. We need to fucking lock that shit. NFT it. Lock that shit down. Just a individual digital code, so other people can't copy it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if anyone wants to buy that particular image, it is now worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Drew Carey. So um, all right, Drew Carey. Okay, so. He does a bunch of stuff. Uh, he uh, leans to the right, uh, to the left. He says he's libertarian, but leans left. Supported Biden, supported Obama. Um, very vocal against the Bush administration during the Iraq War. This is the interesting part. He's a devoted fan of the U.S. national soccer team, as well as all the teams in Cleveland: the Browns, the Cavaliers, and the Guardians. Um, but he became uh, the official photographer for the women's football team. Like he goes and takes photos of them playing, like when they compete in the World Cup and stuff. Okay. That's how he spends his days now. Mm. He's on the sidelines of the national team soccer. Hang on. Oh, not the women's. It's, oh, no, it's just the national team. So it, I don't know. Maybe it's men's and women's or just one of them. But yeah, he's, there's a photo of him at the Olympics and he's got the official press accreditation. Like you're a photographer there and you turn around, there's Drew Carey. It's like, again, like I said, why? Drew, like you, you don't have to take photos. That's a lot of work. I imagine like you then have to go home and go through your proof sheet. Well, not your proof sheet, but go through all your selects and go, oh, this photo works well and then submit it to an editor. And oh, the editor's going to say fucking no, like this multi-millionaire TV star comedian. <laughs> like he's going he's gonna to say, sorry, I don't think your photographs are good enough. I mean, I imagine that he takes good photographs. Like I imagine they're not just sending him because he's Drew Carey, right? But I like uh, this about him. Uh, I, I like the fact that he's leveraging his fame i'm not saying they would be the best photographs i'm not saying if you got a room of photographers in and went who are the best that drews would necessarily be the best but i think there'd be some level of comp competence that would be needed to be they can't just go it's good enough to have drew carey here he didn't really get a shot at any of the goals or any of our players this one's of a knee whose knee is that we don't really know oh it's good to have drew <laughs> carey the, here yeah hey drew whose fucking knee is it anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it says here when he competed in the Royal Rumble, he lasted, uh, more than a minute and a half, but after Kane entered the ring mm. and refused a monetary bribe, Kerry eliminated himself by jumping over the top rope. In 2011, Kerry was inducted into WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, again, Renaissance man, he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. He contributes extensively to charities. Uh -huh. There's a number of charities in his name. Um, uh, he's donated hundreds of thousands of dollars, or probably millions, it says here. Uh, also came uh, 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 came fifth in the World Poker Tour, beating out Jack Black, <laughs> winning winning money for charity. Um, so there you go. That's the career of Drew Carey. Like, you know, occasionally we stumble across someone and we're like, this person's Fucking like, you know, you sort of just forget about them, but they're having this rich, fulfilled life that you know nothing about. Yeah, and it is interesting, isn't it? Because he hasn't had that desperation to be as big a star as he was when he was the star of the Drew Carey show. Like, he's been happy to take other roles, do other jobs, indulge some other passions. He's like, this is great. Like, I'm not competing, you know, to be the hugest comedian in the world. I've got more time to go to some soccer games and take some photos, do some soccer, <laughs> yeah, go, go and being, indulge being, my passion being, to upskirt at soccer matches. <laughs> and being inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, Will, let's, uh, we'll wrap up soon. Before we do, the mailbag has been gathering mm. dust. 
Um, people obviously realised over the break that, you know, we weren't going to get to it. So we didn't get a heap of mail over the sort of December, January period. But I've got some, I've, I've made some selects and we'll just whip through okay. these. Uh, Scott wants to know, have we watched Succession? That's how old this is. Like, have you heard of this new show, Succession? Yes, I've, I've watched it all. Have you watched the most recent season? Yes, I am very up to date on Succession. I love it. I just think it is, it, there are, it's almost... Too, there are, there's so many brilliant lines per episode it's hard to keep up like I often think that maybe I should re-watch it because the lines the writing is so brilliant and it's yeah. delivered so so well that it's just like you can't even take it all in it's like a sumptuous meal well that's the whole point of it and like I mean Amy has definitely she hates it she hates the fact that people oh, love really? it she's like she she liked it early oh. on but she's completely dropped off and her rants about it are 100% true. That's the funny thing. Like, I love the show, but I'm like, I'm going to go and watch Succession. And she goes, oh, what's happening? Are they all sitting around in a room arguing about who should run the company? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that is exactly what they're doing. And this week in particular, they're literally in one boardroom arguing about who should run the company. Oh, everybody will love that. They'll be on the internet tomorrow. Oh, it's Greg. We all love Greg. And I'm like, yeah, okay, right. That is succession. You're absolutely right. But I also do love it. Uh, Samuel says, hey, fellas, I've been uh, going through some old episodes. And at one point you talked about releasing an uh, episode on tape. Is that something you're still thinking about? Um, no, we haven't discussed it. No. I think that, that the... <laughs> I think Answer the, at the same time. Uh, no. No. The kind of um, the gimmick uh, uh, merch, I think it's really hard to be original now. Like I think when, mm. you know, we had the, uh, the, court, uh, the court illustrator come to our live show and stuff, like that was pretty funny. But, that's, but now like vinyl's been done, tapes have been done, the Weekly Planet... Uh, James Clement is my guest this week on Fofop. They did one where it was like a, a mixtape, but also like a USB. So I don't know, man. I think it would be it'd be a lot of, a lot of expense and effort, and I don't know if it'd be particular, uh, particularly rewarding. If there's enough demand for it, like, hey, fuck mm. it, yeah, sure, we'll do it, but not at this stage. Um, okay, so this is from an American listener, M. It's a bit longer, so maybe we can finish on this one because I think okay. uh, it, it, she wants some advice. The subject is, am I the asshole or the asshole for defending my parents. Hey guys, I was hoping you could help me determine if I'm the asshole in this situation. The story begins many years ago before I was even born. My mum and dad's brother, uh, brother's wife, don't my mum and my dad's brother's wife don't like each other and haven't for 50 years. Despite this, uh, us cousins have had a fairly uneventful relationship with one another. We aren't close by any means, but we are definitely cordial. Cordial? Cord cordial. <laughs> we're definitely But we're cordial. also cordial. We are a sweet syrup that you can add water to. We are delicious. Fast forward to last week. Uh, it turns out my daughter is on the same basketball team as my cousin's daughter, and there is a parent's group text. My cousin's husband made a big mistake by accidentally bad-mouthing my parents in the group chat instead of whoever he intended to chat with. The text said something about Shane and Flo. My name's changed for privacy. The Shane, the Shane and Flo show. With Shane and Flo, like if I met a couple in like the Gold Coast called Shane and Flo, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. That sounds like I know that's your uh, that's your pseudonyms, but that's a very Gold Coast pairing, don't you think? Yeah, Shane and Flo. Like I mean, it even sounds like a business. Like Shane and Flo from Shane and Flo Enterprises. Yeah. <laughs> 
I texted the group chat back in the, the Shane and Flo show question mark. And then I received a private text message back that he was deeply sorry and meant no disrespect. But he did. But he did mean disrespect. He did. He Absolutely. That's, he meant it and he disrespected them. After stewing on it for a few days, I see this jerk face to face picking up my daughter from basketball practice. He came up to me and he said he wanted to talk about what happened, to which I replied, we don't have to, and continued to walk past him. He kept talking and I snapped, well, I hope they put on a good enough show for you and walked out of the building. Do you guys think I was an asshole? I didn't need to hear his bogus apology that was only happening because he got caught. I don't like to live with hate in my heart, but fuck people who <laughs> badmouth my amazing parents. Can't wait to hear what you think. M, what do you think, Will? Is she the asshole oh, in this I situation? No, I think you're, you're always entitled to defend your parents if you want to. I, th I think that even unreasonably, even if your parents were the Shane and Flo show, like, you know, even if they were that, even if that was absolutely here, nailed them 100% and you can't see it because you're their, you know, their daughter, then that is, to me, absolutely fine. That's what it should be. You should always defend your parents in that situation. My parents could fuck up so badly. They wouldn't. It's the opposite, mm. in fact. They've had to defend my fuck-ups. But, <laughs> yeah, I would I would publicly defend them. I would tell – yeah, I mean, of course, for somebody that you love, I think that's a good thing to do. I also think, too, there is an element of when someone wants to apologise, and it feels like in this instance, it's about assuaging your own guilt as opposed to genuinely, you know, feeling like you need to make amends. That person probably felt – well, obviously felt terrible. I'm – I, whenever I'm, I am in the wrong in those situations, I tend to just give it a wide berth. Like I find that, you know, if you try and, especially if you try and fix stuff in the moment, that is the worst. People have to fucking process anger. You can't convince someone. It's like when you tell someone to calm down, never fucking works. Like, so I don't think you're an asshole. Would I have behaved in that manner? No, I probably would have meekly accepted the apology and just fucking like stewed about it myself for a long, long time. But no, I don't, I don't think you're an asshole. Certainly don't think you're an asshole. But I'm going to put that on the record. I ordinarily, you know, you know me, I don't, I don't want to have a confrontation with anybody. But I think if it was my parents and I was defending my parents' honour, this might be the one exception where I, I reckon this might be the sort of thing I would do as well. And it would just be like, I don't want to hear this shit from you. And then me just like trying to sling a good line over my shoulder as I exited. This feels like actually very on brand for what I would want to do. I would want to get the big, to quote, you know, uh, Seinfeld, you get the big laugh and you get out on the laugh, you get out of the room. And that's what I would have been doing in that situation for sure. You would have whose lined is it anyway? You just would have been just like, like ripping zingers off the top of your head. The flow and show, the flow and the, the Shane and flow show is good to go as far as I'm concerned. I haven't seen a show yeah, that exactly. good since Hey Hey at Saturday. Yeah, not like you. Your mum show, the blow and go show, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> ah, Tofop is back. Will, so great uh, to be talking to you again. And uh, thank you, everyone, for downloading the episode. If you want to check out more episodes, you can go to tofop.com. Little bit of housekeeping. Funny story, Will. Um, in the off season, in the off season, in our break, um, uh, Mike and I were doing a little work on the website and we realized we were paying for a subscription service for a platform that we weren't using anymore. And so we uh, canceled that subscription on cons consultation with each other. Uh, and as it turns out, um, uh, we basically removed 323 episodes of Tofop from the website. Uh, we are in the process of putting them back on the website. It's episodes one to episodes 323. I've done the first 40 eps, they're back. Um, but if you want to access old episodes, do it through your device. They're still available on devices, just not on the website. I thought it was very uh, Tofop of us. So before anyone emails in, yes, we're aware 
Uh, some episodes are not available on the website, uh, but you can check out other great episodes. Fofop is uh, up and running. As I said, uh, James Clement is my guest this week. Uh, always great to talk to James. And then uh, Footy Fixes with Scott Dooley, our summer series for Two Guys, One Cup. That will have an episode coming out on Thursday. Uh, but for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.